like to welcome those of you that are here for the very first time at one of these classes and ask you if you don't mind raising your hand so that I can see who you are, just for a moment. Great, wow, a lot of you. Welcome. Um, very glad you decided to come tonight and probably this was mentioned in the orientation but I hope you'll stay around. It's uh, nice afterwards if you'd like to talk, if you have any questions. I'd love to have a chance to meet you if we can. Those of you that have been here these last few weeks, we've been doing uh, meditations and reflections really on bringing alive this practice in our relationships with each other. As many of you know, in Asia, a lot of the meditation instructions are really focused on on the cushion, looking inward, and there's been less said and less written and less guidance in, in really how we can cultivate our heart and mind in a, in a wise way with each other, communicating and expressing care and seeing through confusion with each other. So tonight the topic will be loving-kindness, metta, which the Buddha described as the first of what he called the divine abodes, which I think is kind of a a wonderful expression, that he has four divine abodes and they include loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And these are expressions of our natural being and when we cultivate them, for instance, when we awaken loving-kindness, we're really reconnecting with the depth of our nature. One of the most beautiful little descriptions I've heard of the happiness that comes when we start awakening the heart of loving-kindness, Samuel Taylor Coleridge wrote, the happiness of life is made up of minute fractions, the little soon-forgotten charities of a kiss or smile, a kind look, or heartfelt compliment. The mood of metta, the heart opening of metta, is such that it's not some abstract notion that we're going to awaken our hearts and unconditionally embrace this entire universe and shower it with healing energy. It's very particular in the moments that we go home and and just the way we're with whoever's there, the kindness that's there, the hug, the warmth, the listening, the friendliness, are at work, the generosity, the compliment that, that really we mean. It's the minute particulars. I'd like to explore this cultivation of metta, which we really could be exploring for years and years. People go to metta retreats and you can go for three months and just practice loving-kindness. Metta is the Pali word for loving-kindness. Interestingly, the word metta means, is translated as friendliness, and there's another translation which is gentle. And I love those words. It's that fullness of our heart when we're friendly and gentle. So I'd like to explore it in two ways tonight, and as those of you that are here regularly know, we'll we'll explore it 
experientially. I'll, I'll talk a bit and then ask you to check in and, and explore some dimension of the practice uh, with people in your life and in your own mind so that you really can see how it might be. The first part we'll do is really explore the shadow of loving-kindness, which are the habits we have that keep us distanced from others. And every one of us has that, that shadow to some degree. And then we'll talk about the practices that actively soften and open our heart. So first, the shadow of loving-kindness. And I begin with a, a true story. And in this story, a group of friends who had never gone boating decided to have an afternoon of fun. So they rented a boat and trailer and they hitched it up and drove down to the waterside. They put it in and they started the boat's engine. The boat seemed to move a little, but then it completely stopped. And they had no idea what was wrong. They turned on and off the engine a bunch of times. That seemed fine. They checked the gas. It was filled with gas. Everything seemed in working order, but the boat just wouldn't move. And they hadn't pulled out any beers or anything. These are, they're, they're just ready for boating. So frustrated, one of them drove back to the marina and got a boat mechanic who followed them back to where the water was and, and where the group was waiting. So the mechanic did the same thing. He checked the motor and the gas and everything seemed fine. So baffled, he finally went into the water itself to look under the boat. And when he came up, he was choking, doubled over with (laughs) laughter. He couldn't barely speak. But when he finally did, all he did was point under the boat and he let them know the trailer was still there under (laughs) the boat. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) They were trying to get that boat going and they had it hitched to a trailer that was underwater. Anyway, (laughs) so... Interestingly, when we talk about spiritual life, when we talk about the freedom of our heart, it's not about becoming different in any way. It's really about letting go, letting go of these extras that we're holding on to. We're dragging around extra stuff, each of us. Usually it's resentments, ideas about what's wrong, obsessions, judgments that really prevent us from cruising, from living freely. And we can feel it, it's very, you can feel it in your body as a physical armoring, the extra. And it's a habit and it's not our fault. We, we learn to take on our armoring, our resentments, our judgments, in a kind of defense against parents or a culture that said we weren't okay. But nonetheless we have it. So we're trying to take off, we're trying to love more fully, to live more freely, and yet we carry around what I'm going to describe a bit as the shadow of loving-kindness. Now, the Buddha talked about the main shadow of loving-kindness is attachment, that what we do, rather than freely feeling care, is that out of a sense of something's wrong and need, we attach our care to certain people and it becomes clinging and it becomes grasping. And we end up having our attention organized around, does this person like me? Are they paying attention to me? Are they admiring me? So it becomes very self-centered. So rather than this uh, gentle rain of loving, there's a fearful me that's holding on tight to getting somebody's attention. So that's one way, that's one of the shadows. 
The other shadow to loving-kindness is obviously aversion, that we get caught up in, we carry around resentments. We have this idea of self as victim, and it's a big one. We resent ourselves, but we also have people that we have grudges against, that we have a story about how they've hurt us, and we can go for decades. It's very sad how we use up the years of our life where we just assume that, that we can't connect because we've been done wrong. I have a cartoon here, it's deep in an African jungle, and you see a woman in a hut, and she's surrounded with dolls, these little dolls that they rep all the people in her tribe. Each one of them is filled with pins. And her husband's there standing saying, can't you get along with anybody? <laughs> we have our own ways in our minds of sticking pins in people, in our minds, and keeping our distance. So, attachment, aversion, we're going to go over this quickly. And then the third big way, the shadow to love and kindness, is inattention. When we're caught in this trance, this trance of a self trying to make it through the day, a self that's falling short, a self that needs to get things done, um, the others in our life become background. They become kind of secondary, they become uh, just this background to the stage and they don't matter so much. I mentioned the other week that there's a sense of others not being so real. So we stop paying attention. We stop looking to see who's here. And we can do it to the people we love most dearly because we all get preoccupied and we forget. We forget that each person is a living, breathing, hurting, caring, feeling person. So we miss moments. Stephen Vincent Benet wrote, Life is not lost by dying. Life is lost minute by minute, day by dragging day, in all the thousand small uncaring ways. And that one really gets to me, because you can kind of sense how many moments we just kind of bulldoze through moments where and we don't have to have deep, soulful, eye-to-eye contact in every moment, but moments that are uncaring, or we're just not awake to who's here. So the Buddha taught that in awakening loving-kindness, the first step is to begin to bring, shine this light on the shadow, to see where in our life this is so. And what I'd like to invite you to do is to choose a relationship that matters to you in your life uh, tonight that you might want to sense how you could have more closeness and love and intimacy. And it could be with a son or daughter or mother or sister or lover or work partner or doesn't matter who, but just to take some moments to bring up to your mind someone that you care about, where intimacy matters, closeness matters, And you don't want your time to pass doing the thousand small uncaring things where you want to be more awake. So we'll just take a few moments to bring some mindfulness to a relationship and just bring it more alive in your awareness, what it's like with this person. 
and it helps sometimes if you bring to mind a typical situation, not, not a horrendous one where you've hit bottom and you're in a major out and out fight or something, but a, a kind of typical situation where there might be more kindness or tenderness or play, but you just seem to miss the boat sometimes. So you might bring to mind where that is and what you're doing. And some people aren't very visual or don't like doing this kind of a a guided practice. And please do it in whatever way fits for you. This is just an opportunity to be more mindful of the nuances of a relationship. So if you want, bringing to mind a, a place where you are with this person regularly, it might be the dinner table, in the car, bedroom, living room, at work, on a walk. And first notice in what way you might be armored. How might you be distancing? Is there some way that you're blaming this person, pulling back, not engaging, withholding your energy, your attention? Are you in some way controlling, trying to control what's going to happen? Do you have an agenda? How might you be maybe grasping, trying to get something. Just take a moment and sense the ways that you might be pushing this person away, trying to control, trying to get something, trying to avoid something. And as you explore this, you might sense, what are you believing about yourself and that person that keeps this happening? Are you believing that they don't really care or that you're not really that lovable or interesting or that they're going to reject you? Are you believing that you might get taken advantage of? What is it you might be believing that in some way keeps distance there? And as you sense this, sense what the feeling is there, the vulnerability that might make you push someone away or control them or in some way keep a distance. What's the fear or the hurt? What's in there that stops you from just feeling open and easy and close? What stops you?
as you sense into what might be there, and for most of us there's some fear, some hurt, to put aside all the stories and the beliefs and everything and just take some moments to be right with that place in your own tender heart that feels some hurt or some fear, just to forgive it for being there and offer care to yourself. This is very human. Every one of us wants to be more intimate and every one of us has a resistance. Every one of us. So just to offer care to the place in you that's afraid or hurting. And you might feel how your hands are and let your hands be kind of an anchor for that sense of offering care to yourself, maybe just crossing your fingers and holding your hands together. And this is the feeling of, okay, vulnerability is here and I can be kind towards it. And you might imagine going into that situation, this is the last part of this exploration, and just bringing this awareness with you. Just going into the situation in your mind's eye, knowing your own feeling of vulnerability, perhaps knowing the kinds of beliefs or ways that you habitually might create a distance. And let the hands, the feelings in your hands remind you to stay connected with yourself so that you could bring more wakefulness, more tenderness into the situation. Just a little more presence. And notice what that's like. Notice how you view that other person. Maybe what you might see about them that you aren't seeing when you're connected with yourself. just send a message to the place in you that feels vulnerable, that you intend to pay attention, to come back again, to keep presence with that. So taking a few full breaths and opening your eyes. So that's a lot to dip into, all of a sudden. And um, again, to say, some of you probably, it could feel very deep and very involving emotionally, and for others it might feel harder in this kind of a setting. But there's a very critical quality of investigation, mindful investigation, that if we want to understand how we armor this heart of loving-kindness, then we need to take the time. And it always is useful to do it with the people that are most involved in our life. 
like just to take a couple of moments and ask if there's anyone that would like to say what you noticed when you went in to sense how you were keeping a distance and what you were believing and just what happened as you did that practice. If there's anyone that would like to share, maybe we'll take a few people. I know it's a very private thing. Anyone? I'm sorry, speak loud. A core of hopelessness. So a core of hopelessness, I'll never be understood. And what happened when your intention was to be with that and be kind with that? A little hopeful. (laughs) So sometimes, because intimacy is such an enormously important thing to us, when we hit a wall, like hopeless, I'll never be understood, it's a big deal and it's not something in two minutes that you often kindness to and everything opens wide open and we go back into the relationship in our mind and it's hunky-dory, right? I mean, it doesn't... This is a really a, a gentle, long, patient process. But just to know that hopelessness is there and that's what, unless we pay attention to, will keep replaying the same patterns. Do you know what I mean? If we don't pay attention to the emotion that's blocking intimacy, we'll we'll run the same script over and over. So, thank you very much. Yeah, anyone else, what you noticed? I don't know if you could hear this, but this is beautiful. So there is a childhood experience of being kind of left out. Everybody out there is having, all the happy, popular, beautiful people are having a good time and you're kind of left out. And then now in a very real relationship, a friendship, the same insecurity with this beautiful person. How could she really like me? So that's the place then that needs attention, that insecurity that you're, that somebody else that you admire and like will like you in that way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, please. So seeing, sometimes we get in the habit of perceiving somebody else's armor and then realizing that we're doing the mirror of that, that we are armoring in reaction. And there's only one way to, of course, 
wake up out of that whole trance is to then feel the pain that's making us armor. That's the only way the system changes. So thank you, that's beautiful. Yeah. Take one more, yeah. So there was a friendship where at one time Clea felt superior and now that this person's becoming more self-assured she's getting in touch with her fear that she's feeling intimidated by this person. And that's perfect because we spend a lot of time in our relationships very subtly living in a power differential where we think either we're better or the other person's better. And and we get comfortable. Some of us are the types that are much more comfortable with people that we feel are less than us. And others only feel okay if we're with somebody that we look up to. So that's a, it's really a vi- real important thing if we want to break out of those patterns just to notice it. So that's, thank you. I realized as we were doing this together that I didn't really need to bring any of, anything else to talk about and that, that that process alone is a world unto itself to begin to, to see our patterns of how we keep distances. So just to encourage you to keep exploring that and you might as we go, we're going to do some metta practices, loving-kindness practices, you might have that same person you were just thinking about and bring them into these next exercises. Or you, you might not choose to, it's up to you. Traditionally, the awakening of the heart of loving-kindness begins with intention. That it's like, it's like gardening, if we want to cultivate a garden, first we have this intention that we really want to allow for this flowering to happen. I sometimes think of um, Carlos Castaneda, his books with the sorceress Don Juan, and at one point Don Juan says that there are many paths in and out of the bush, and what really matters is only one question, and that question is, are we living a path with heart? And you can ask that question as if you're at the very end of your life looking back. You're looking back at this relationship you were just thinking about. You're looking back at your relationship with your children and sisters and brothers and friends. And that question, did I live well? Did I love well? And that's the question that allows us to keep on exploring intimacy even though it can sometimes confront us with our deepest fears. So we begin with intention. And then we move to paying deeper attention, just the way we just did. We look closely at what's actually going on. Now in the guided practice we looked at the shadow. The cultivation of loving-kindness also involves very intentionally learning to see the goodness that's there, in another person, and in ourselves. And more and more people tell me when they do these metta retreats or when they start exploring this loving-kindness practice that their very favorite meditation in the whole world is this meditation of looking to see 
the beauty in another person. That when we slow down and we just bring someone to mind and we just look to see their goodness, their aliveness, their curiosity, their love, their mischievousness, that it just softens our hearts. And the idea is not to look through rose-colored lenses. I mean, we want to see the whole of a being. But this is what we leave out because we're afraid and we're looking for what's wrong. So, here's our next practice together. You might just sit, sit comfortably, close your eyes. And if you'd like, you can, again, bring to mind the same person you were meditating on. This will just continue to expand that out. But if you'd like to bring someone else to mind, you can. But someone, again, that's close to you in your life. And as you begin to reflect on this person, first just sense this person's imperfections. And just do a kind of review of what bothers you. And you don't have to go into a kind of a scathing review, but just notice what, what's, what is it about this person? What gets on your nerves? What's irritating? What do you sometimes find yourself resenting? And as you do that, imagine you're in a room together. And if you're right in the middle of the room, as you're imagining them and their flaws, just sense where you want to place them in the room. Just be honest, what you don't like. We all have things we don't like. what it's like when they get angry or selfish or petulant or caught up. Sense where they are in the room, what kind of distance from you, and then take a few full breaths. And then This is the reflection on what you most appreciate about this person. And just relax your body and relax your eyes and your mind and just sense what it is about this person that makes them dear. What it is about the way they show their love, their generosity, their humor, just what it is about them. And as you're sensing what it is that is beautiful or good about them, again, feel your body as it feels. And sense you're in this room in the middle and sense where you want them in the room. And then continuing to pay attention, notice what happens when you let both be true. Both the recognition of this person's human flaws 
and their goodness. And just kind of let your body, mind include the truth of all of it. Just sense how that happens. Jose Ortega writes, tell me to what you pay attention and I will tell you who you are. Our whole sense of being is shaped by what we're noticing. And if out of defense and out of pain we have to scan for where the arrows are going to come from, it makes us small, it's suffering. It's not our fault, but it's suffering. So we can train ourselves, and this is probably one of the most precious trainings of bodhicitta, of the awakening heart that I know of, which is to look, to bring someone to mind, someone close to you, someone you barely know, someone you've never met, and just sense into the human goodness that's there. And the understanding behind this practice is that everyone, no matter how much their heart has been squashed, their spirit has been subdued, no matter how much suffering they've been through, which then of course makes them into someone who will create suffering, there's a basic humanity, a basic longing to love and be loved, a basic sparkle of interest, a desire to awaken. It can be very buried, but we can develop the eyes that can see it and if you can see it, you can help to bring it out. That's the beauty of seeing goodness. Now, as many of you know, in the loving-kindness practice, we bring loving-kindness, we see the goodness within our own being, with people we love, and circles outward and outward and outward to include all beings. So a huge portion of this practice for many of us is learning to embrace our own inner life and see the goodness that's within us. And you don't have to start the practice with seeing your own goodness. You might find it easier to think of someone that's very, that you love a lot and immediately softens your heart. But you can't bypass a step. You can't go around cultivating love and, and feelings of warmth towards the universe if you're really hostile towards yourself. So in this next exercise, a very simple one, is how to look within and see the goodness that's there. And so let's just check. Again, just to, if you're holding anything, put it down, come sitting up. And take a moment to just let go and come into your own body and heart. Sense the life that's here. Sense your own living, conscious, breathing being. And just to investigate and sense the goodness that's here. What is it that you appreciate about your own being? 
may be your honesty, that ability to discriminate and see clearly. It might be your loving heart that you do love, you do care. It might be your humor. It might be your love of waking up, your commitment to no truth. Maybe it's your courage to face what's hard. If you can just sense this longing to be happy, we can appreciate and feel tender towards our own longing to be happy. And if it's difficult to see or acknowledge the goodness that's here, you might explore looking through the eyes of someone that really loves you dearly. You might see what that's like, bringing to mind a friend, an aunt, a grandmother. Some people bring to mind their pets. Someone that loves you unconditionally. And looking through their eyes, What is it they see that makes you dear? The great Indian teacher Bapuji writes this, he says, My beloved child, break your heart no longer. Each time you judge yourself, you break your own heart. Stop feeding on the love which is the wellspring of your vitality. That's what you do. You stop feeding on it. The time has come, your time, to live, to celebrate, to see the goodness that you are. Let no one, no thing, no idea or ideal obstruct you. If one comes, even in the name of truth, forgive it for its unknowing. Do not fight. Let go. And breathe into the goodness that you are. My beloved child, break your heart no longer. Each time you judge yourself, you break your own heart. So we train in looking at each other and seeing, as Thomas Merton described it, this transparent divine that shines through absolutely every one of us. And we train in looking inward. And we're not trying to make a solid self be very proud of itself, but rather see through to this aliveness, this consciousness, this love that is in us as it is in each person and bow to that. 
So again, I'd like just to take a few moments and ask if anybody wants to share what you noticed when you looked in to see your own goodness, and what it was like if you looked through someone else's eyes. Anyone? So there's this kind of cycle of forgiving that when she looks back at herself in these hard times in a relationship and looks through kind eyes, then there's this potential to kind of soften the way for being kind towards this other person. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. How many noticed that, that it was hard to find good things about yourself and almost uncomfortable to be looking for good things about yourself? Don't, don't be shy, can I just see? Uncomfortably looking at good things about yourself, yeah. This is, um, it's real natural and real pervasive, especially in our culture. We're almost told, don't be proud, don't be immodest, don't think good things about yourself. It's kind of... Um, the message from early childhood. So this is a real kind of a radical shift to look inward. And again, it's not to rev up and inflate a personal ego. What we're doing is seeing through the ego to the beauty that we share with all beings. But we need to be able to recognize it in our inner life because we're so turned on ourselves. So if we can't get tender and see it in our inner being, then really we keep that armor that really makes it hard to trust that other people will really love us. It's hard to be intimate. So as you described, we begin to kind of loosen up that encasing around the heart when we see through other people's eyes. If you think of somebody that that loves you and just remember how come Imagine looking through their eyes, remember their words. It begins to reconnect us to others and we can trust it more. So, anyone else? 
Say that again, please. It's hard to be lonely. Ah. Ah. Could you all hear that? If you can recognize the goodness in yourself, it's hard to be lonely. That's a really beautiful statement. Chogyam Trungpa says, really the path is to get into who we are deeper and deeper and deeper, because he says if you get into the depth of who you are, you're open to the whole world. The goodness that we're bowing to in ourselves is not a personal thing. It's like we're bowing to the sacred that's in all beings, but we have to be able to recognize it in our own being. And you're right, there's, it's an intimacy with life. So, beautiful, thank you. We'll just keep going a bit more, because there's one more piece with metta, with loving-kindness. We practice having the eyes that see the goodness, and then we practice expressing the care that we feel. When you see goodness, care wakes up right away. It's the same way if you see vulnerability, if you see suffering, compassion wakes up. See goodness, loving-kindness wakes up. So, as the Buddha described it, that we deepen that expression of who we are as we let that care be spread to other beings. We tell ourselves and we tell each other, I see this goodness, I care, I care. Some of you might know the words to the loving-kindness practice, the traditional phrases are something like, may I be filled with loving-kindness, may I be happy, may I be healthy and at ease, may I be free from suffering, may you be filled with loving-kindness, may you be happy and at ease, may you be healthy. And then it goes on and on, may, and we bring to mind first ourselves, then we bring to mind a benefactor, and the benefactor is anyone that's really given us help in a simple and unconditional way. It can be a healer, teacher, aunt or grandmother, or a therapist, but somebody we're grateful to. So there's self, benefactor, then somebody we care about a lot, somebody that's a neutral person that we don't have a strong reaction to, then a difficult person, and then all beings. So that's the formal practice. We go to each of those levels and we sense the goodness, we offer the care. Now, some people say, well, isn't it just kind of like an affirmation? You know, aren't we just spouting out another belief? In fact, I had this one cartoon, it's got a dog in bed wearing earphones, and this is called canine affirmation tapes. He's hearing, good doggy, you're such a good doggy. Aren't you a good doggy? Yes, good do-. you know? And I think of that sometimes when I'm doing metta, you know. <laughs> so what is it we're saying to ourselves? And is this just another, are we slapping on more beliefs? And which brings us to really the heart of this expressing of care. The words don't matter so much. When we're in a place of a caring heart, that's the transmission. The word is that bridge to let care be known. So it's really that quality of caring that's there. Thich Nhat Hanh says, when you say something like, I love you, our beloved one, with your whole being, 
not just with your mouth or your intellect, it can transform the world. That's healing. There really is healing when we say, I love you, and we're connected with our heart. And of course there's no healing at all if we're just throwing out a shallow affirmation. Now another question that comes up is, isn't it creating kind of a duality when I say, you know, to you, may you be filled with loving kindness? Isn't there a self that's offering a prayer and a you out there? And again, and this is just something to experience, when we do it with care, the sense of self and other disappear and all there is is caring. It's a way of awakening a sense of communion. Kabir was a shoemaker. And as he worked, day in and day out, he always repeated this mantra, the way Thich Nhat Hanh described it. He said, Ram, Ram, Ram. That's a word for the sacred or the divine. And he spoke this mantra with love. He just all day, day in and day out, when he was walking in the streets and cobbling in his workshop, Ram, 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 20 years. Then one day, the god Ram appeared. And Kabir said, who are you? And Ram said, I'm Ram. And Kabir said, well, why are you here? Ram said, why am I here? <laughs> You've been calling on me for 20 years. Now I've come. What do you want? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I don't want anything. What? Why have you been repeating my name? I just love to repeat your name. <laughs> so then, for the years to come, wherever Kabir would go, he'd be followed by Ram and the sound, Kabir, Kabir, <laughs> Kabir. <laughs> I love that because there's no outside God that we're saying, you're the one, you're the one. It's the sacred within each of us. And when we express that love with care, we just, it's like going in that well that just opens us to the whole ocean of loving. It transcends any duality. It's a blessing. When we can look at each other or our own being or any being and sense that sacred that's there, and offer our care, that is a blessing that awakens us to that truth. One of the most beautiful poems, Galway Canal. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower, for everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on the brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely, until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. So this is the beauty of metta, of loving-kindness, that because we forget we learn to look and see the beauty. And because we get habitual about withholding our care, we practice expressing it. And so we'll end tonight with um, doing a formal metta meditation. It won't be a very long one, but you might put down what you have. And, and then we will do a formal metta meditation, and then we'll do a metta chant that's an English chant together as a closing which I will teach you, it's very easy.
So we begin, just let the breath come in and out of the heart. And just feel your heart and however your heart is, just sense the mood that's here without any judgment, with a kind attention. And as we've been doing, we take some moments just to sense the goodness that's here, to look through those eyes of care and see the one that's inside, the awareness that's here, your own. Just notice your own awareness, your care, your want to be happy. And just offering that prayer May I be filled with loving-kindness. May I be held in loving-kindness. May I accept myself just as I am. May I know the natural joy in being alive. May I be free. May I be filled with loving-kindness, just with as much sincerity as you can touch, offering yourself the prayer, may I be happy, may I be free. Bringing to mind a benefactor, someone that's helped you in your personal life that you feel grateful to. And just very simply, may you too be filled with loving-kindness. May you be happy. May you be free. Just offering your prayer to this person bringing them to mind, feeling your heart, letting the words come from your heart. (coughs) Bringing to mind someone you love dearly and sensing them and their goodness. See their eyes shining, feel their love. May you be filled with loving-kindness, held in loving-kindness. May you be happy. May you be free. Bringing to mind someone that you don't have strong feelings to, towards, not strong negative or positive, that you see maybe regularly, you just don't include in your mind very much. Just sense that human and who they are, that they too want to be happy. They want to love and be loved. Offering your prayer, 
May you be filled with loving-kindness. May you be happy and may you be free. Bringing to mind someone that's difficult. And don't worry, just sense whatever reactions are there with kindness in your own body. Trying to see this being, their suffering, their humanity. May you too be filled with loving kindness. May you to be happy. May you be free. And then opening this space of heart and mind in all directions, wide, wide open, to sense your care for all living beings. Our chant Our metta chant is an English chant for tonight that we'll offer to ourselves, to each other, and to all beings. The words are, May the long time sun shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure light within you guide your way on. Again, just hear the words and we'll first chant it once to our own being, then we'll chant to each other, and then we'll chant to all beings. Again, the words are, may the long time sun shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure light within you guide your way on. And uh, just so you know, this is the incredible string band that wrote these words. <laughs> 